Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of friends explore movies through trivia. I'm one of these friends, KJ, and with me is... Tom. And Pat. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with four rapid-fire trivia questions, and possibly a few bonus questions. Audience, feel free to play along from home. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that is worth one more point. Then we'll follow it up with our famous movie rant, Where Anything Goes. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Walking up to theaters in 1994, we would have had to choose between Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, The Shawshank Redemption, Edward, Clerks, Interview with the Vampire, The Santa Claus, and today's movie, Vanya on 42nd Street. There was a big difference in quality between some of those films in that list. (laughs) What do you mean, the Santa Claus? (laughs) I I won't say. Vanya on 42nd Street follows a rehearsal of the Chekhov play, Uncle Vanya. And this was something that theater director, kind of famous theater director, Andre Gregory, had been doing for a number of years, something like six or seven years. He had been rehearsing this play with a group of actors with no intention of putting it on in an abandoned 42nd Street theater. And this was back in the early 90s when Times Square was dangerous and nobody actually wanted to go into theaters. So they were just left abandoned and they snuck into a theater every so often and rehearsed this play. They, uh, Andre Gregory and Wallace Shawn had on a previous movie, My Dinner with Andre, worked with the famous director, Louis Malle, the French director, and they brought him in to film this rehearsal and sort of stage the movie and what have you. And what you have is a faithful adaptation of a David Mamet translation of Uncle Vanya that tries to capture the magic of these rehearsals that Gregory was doing with these actors. And that's the film. It's it's a film of Uncle Vanya. It's time for question one. What tragedy can't Astrov forget? Locked in. Locked in with a guess. It's gonna be rough. KJ, what's your guess? Um the Death of his kid? Pat, what do you have? Uh, He had a patient die under the chloroform while he was performing surgery. Mm -hmm. All right, and the points go to Pat. It's time for question two. What did Sonia hear a woman in church say about her? And Sonia is the the niece, KJ. It's the Vanya's niece. Locked in. Um, locked in. KJ, what do you have? That she's plain. All right, thank you. And Pat, what do you have? Uh, she says it's it's a shame she's so plain. All right, very good. And points for everyone. Points on the board. Points on the board. Well done, KJ. You're getting in there. Scoring points on your favorite movie. It's time for question three. How old is Vanya? Locked in. When did um, Princess Bride come out? All right, locked in. All right, and Pat, what do you have? 
37? JJ, what do you have? 53. Oh, I'm sorry. So uh, Vanya was actually 47 years old. I knew it was something. Seven. Something like that. Something with a seven. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So no points this time out, but that's all right. We're moving down to question number four. And it looks like, yeah, this is, uh, it's within spitting range, KJ. So you, you might get this. Yeah. It's time for question four. According to Vanya, Yelena is too what to live? And Yelena is a, uh, Julianne Moore, that's that's the redhead, KJ. So, Aha. Yelena is too what to live? Uh, locked in. I feel like I have the sentiment in my head, but I can't find the perfect word for the sentiment. So I'm going to lock in with quite a few words. Okay, Pat, what do you have? Um, I don't, I don't think this is the right word, but it's it's some it's. It's it's something like this, but I don't think it's the right word. But I think it's something like it's something like bored. She's too bored to live. But I don't think that's the right word. But it's something like that. All right, KJ, what do you have? Wow, I had the complete opposite. I was thinking like voracious, um, over energetic, like just too much. Like, oh, very close. Bored is closer. It was uh, Yelena is too lazy to live, and like bored is. Mm close to that I, I know in like the um the paul smith translation i think it's too detached uses the word detached and other translators use different words so like that's I'll close, pull up the yeah. russian i'll pull up the russian and check i think oh, okay i think yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty, pretty close <laughs> probably pretty close very good so yeah and we'll she probably place. laughed right that's she laughed yes she does she does laugh a lot <laughs> so does yeah so does um so does sonia they both laugh a lot Sony cries sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they do cry a lot. It is Chekhov, after all. <laughs> okay. Um, so right now we have Pat winning the episode. Unless, Pat, you want to risk it all for a fifth question? Yeah, that's what you do when you're ahead on the house. You yeah. risk it all. <laughs> that's what you do. And you, and, you, and you can't win anymore, but you might as well lose, potentially. You risk it all. Uh, yeah, let's yes. go for it. Mm -hmm. There we go. It's time for a bonus question. What did Vanya take from the doctor? Locked in. Locked in? All right, KJ, what do you have? Was it the gun? Was it Chekhov's gun? Pat, what do you got? He takes a vial of morphine. And that's correct. A vial of uh, morphine. Yes. And now the victory goes to mm -hmm. Pat. Congratulations, Pat. Thank you. Appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> but what about the trees? Audience, stay tuned for a rehearsed movie rant that isn't intended for audience consumption. Coming up right after this break. Join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982 on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample. I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be no print, because we don't want to print things as we're going along. I think by default, 
it's not gonna print and even if i did print, <laughs> I, where is it gonna print to 1982 <laughs> I would imagine if we go west, we're going to be south of the troll, right? Just south of the troll land. Yeah, let's try it. You go west. The troll's clearing. The visible... Oh, <laughs> we died. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The troll, the troll saw us and killed us. So I think we have to say the answer to the riddle then. The answer is dark. Say dark, I think. Talk to what? Golem. Gollum. Say Gollum dark you talk to Gollum. thorin says hurry up and we died and we died so we went northeast last time so let's go southwest you go southwest visible exits are north northwest you see the valuable golden ring oh wow. that's wait, wait, wait. perfect oh, that's wow. perfect limited lexicon Coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios. And we're back. So I'm, I'm interested, KJ, this is one of my favorite movies, and KJ, you seem to hate it so very much. <laughs> and I'm interested in, like, why did you hate this movie so hard? Well, well hate's a strong word, and let's start with a positive. I loved the jazz music in the intro. That intro with Shots in New York, that was... That was really fun. Let's start there. Um, no, you know, I, Tom, I actually texted you before we started watching the movie. And I said, hey, is there anything I should know before going into this? And you said, nope, there's nothing you need to know. So the movie starts with, I don't know, two strangers talking to somebody and say, hey, I heard you're rehearsing this thing. We'd like to see it. Right? That's, that's how this movie is framed. I'm thinking, okay, this is a backstage movie. Because we're starting not on stage. We are beginning with a new audience. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe there's going to be a murder and we're going to figure out the murder mystery backstage or there's going to be some kind of drama backstage. And throughout the movie, they cut to the donut table, right? You know, between acts and stuff. It's not just the play. We do get breaks from the play. And I, I just didn't realize, no, 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 we're, we're, we're here to consume Uncle Vanya. Like, that's, that's why we're showing up. And by the time I realized that, I wasn't paying attention to the play. It's very sing-songy. Is that is that the writer guy that the translator is that why is it that that the whole play was that rhythm. All the the dialogue. And by the time I got there, there was people like, "No, we need to save the trees." There was like Lorax type monologues to go speaking and reading and talking like some what a lovely day today not too hot like it was almost like david lynch was performing this play and i just think i couldn't i couldn't figure it out and i think i was just checked out i probably should have went back and just watched it again with the knowledge um so that that was uh those were my quote-unquote issues with the play here okay <laughs> that's <laughs> thank you kj I, I mean i i i sort of get if you don't know Chekhov at all or you're gonna watch a that you're gonna watch a, a stage reading not a stage reading but you're gonna watch a filmed production or filmed rehearsal of something i you know i i get that it's somewhat maybe awkward to get into um the nice thing about Chekhov though is like his great plays are sort of similar enough that each one kind of 
provides an introduction to the others. Um, so I would hopefully, I would, I would hope that you see other Chekhov plays and not be like scared away because because of this film, or at least read them maybe before before the next uh, next venture in, into Chekhov if that ever happens. The um, sequel on Forty Third Street. Are there other <laughs> are there other films? Seagull on Forty Third Street. Yeah, um, but uh, interested in in you know, Pat's response to this movie. You said you had some problems with it, Pat. Yeah, I mean, my 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 problems are pretty minor. I mean, I think overall, I guess as I said, I think it's one of the best films of a stage production ever. And again, that's different from like taking a stage play and just translating, or, you know, sort of adapting it to film. That happens all the time. But I don't think it's, it's relatively rare, especially nowadays, to have a, a staged play just filmed. And it doesn't tend to work all that well. Um, you know, you, you just don't see it that often. Hamilton. Yeah, actually, yeah. those are those are great examples. I didn't even think about something like that. Those are actually probably good examples of something like that. And and I mean, I remember even growing up, I think there was like a film version of, you know, they did like a live version of um of like Sound of Music once. Or sometimes you see it, uh, BAM, I think, does it sometimes where they'll do like mm-hmm. simulcasted productions of plays. But it's it, honestly it just doesn't tend to work very well because usually it's just a, it's just a camera stuck on a on on a stage and it just kind of film it. Um, yeah. I'm picturing Liam Miz on PBS or something. Like yeah, that. actually that's a really yeah. good example too. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't think those are very good. I think this one is, a, is a surprisingly effective one. I also really like the story of just these guys just getting together and just kind of rehearsing this play for no one for years on that. I think it's just kind of a cool story anyway. It's very Buddhist, isn't it? It's very Zen. It's like the, the sand paintings that the Buddhists do it. It's they're creating something for no one. And it's kind of wonderful for that reason. I didn't really like that idea. Actually, yeah, that's that's actually kind of cool. There's, it reminded me. There's a um, play I saw years ago by this guy. He was nominated for the um, Pulitzer that year. But this guy, Rindy Eckert, did this play, an adaptation of, of um, Orpheus, where the woman who dies is a poet, and she has to that she goes to hell, and her punishment is hell. She has to write poetry all the time, but it's in chalk on like a windy beach. Like on like a windy, so every time she writes wow. in her chalk, the the poems all get blown away. So again, I I like the I kind of like that just idea. I think it's as you said. I think there's sort of this romantic kind of quality to it. But I also just I I think it's kind of a neat framing device to sort of have. I remember even watching in college. I thought it's cool where they kind of walk in and they're just talking. You know, they're talking about their day and they're talking about the other problems they have, and then they just they just kind of sit down and then just say like. Would you like some vodka? They don't even they don't transition at all into the play, which I I get to your point, KJ. Like if you don't know that that's that they've started talking a play like this now, okay? That they've started a play, that's a bit confusing. But um, I like the framing device, and again, I don't know if you noticed, but they do by the end of the play, the audience is actually gone because they show it at one point and they're all gone. So so we stayed for the whole play, but they didn't. Um, I don't think it's meant to imply that they got bored and left. Okay. I think you're supposed okay. to sort of see, see it. it as like, you know, they, you are now like a part of the audience now. Like that we got absorbed into the, we're, we're so absorbed into the play that we're just watching the play. It doesn't matter that the other audience members are there anymore. Yes. Um, so I, I like, I like that sort of framing device. I did my, my major issues tend to be sometimes, you know, some of there's a couple of the acting. I, I think, I think most of the performances are really good. I think some performances are less good. Um, but I do, I guess like there's a couple things where they sort of make it kind of filmy. Like I can't remember. There's at least one or two moments um, where 
they just they have the monologues in the person's head as if it's like a film, which I found really weird. Like, yeah, was that pre-recorded and then just played on stage? Actually, I guess you could imagine it that that's what they did. I never thought of that. I don't. I don't know. I didn't get the impression that's what you were supposed to get out of it. Yeah, okay. I don't. I only remember that in one scene, which is Julianne Moore's character. It's when she's thinking about how much she likes the doctor, and this is right before the doctor comes in and sort of goes for her. And have, wouldn't it be wonderful if she could go off with him and shock everyone? But I also like you, Pat, I, and I guess like you, KJ, as well. Didn't get why that was a voiceover. Yeah, in my notes, I wrote, "Is this a ventriloquist scene? Yeah, like, are we?" Yeah, I guess, and it also plays with the frame, right, in a weird way, like you're mentioning now, KJ, for not a lot of payoff. <laughs> anyway, maybe that's right? the moment. Although I never had noticed it before, maybe that's the moment when the audience is like gone. Maybe if you were to watch from then on, maybe that's the point where there is no audience anymore. But that's Act Two, isn't it? I think that's Act Two. I don't remember. I don't remember. I, I think it's pretty late. I thought it was much later than that. Oh, no, you know what? I think you're right. It is act two because it's still the night. It's right after the girl in the well, uh, whatever her name. <laughs> Brooke Smith, I think her name is. Yeah. I don't know what her, I don't know mm. her real name is. Sonia, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's right after she leaves, I think. You're right. She goes, she goes to do... So it's after... They ask her to wake up from her mermaid life, but before the doctor is wondering about the green river on his map. That's what I was just thinking about. I think actually, Tom, I think it is in the fourth act. I think it's when she, uh, Sonia leaves to go get the doctor and bring him downstairs to tell her that she wants to look at the maps. It's after that elephant scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, you're. I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's when it happens. But you're right. The elephant scene isn't very good. Um, but I just think as a stage, as a filmed stage production, it's a very, very good production of of the of the play itself. Um, and I think it's a good edition of the play. It doesn't. I mean, it's translated by Mamet, but it doesn't feel too Mamety. Um, but I do. So I do, I do like that about it as well. I think it's, and it, again, as I said, I think I said last week, like I've seen, I think I've seen every of his major plays at least twice. And I've seen his early, I've even seen some of his early plays um, a couple of times. You know, I've been to like an all day checkoff festival when I lived in London for 12 hours where, so it's like, I've seen a lot of checkoff and I like checkoff quite a bit. And I do feel like this is one of the better productions film productions of a checkoff play what do you like about it so much tom how, how did this get to your top 10 i think it's just that there is this idea of um of people who are working all the time to sort of to sort of make something and it doesn't and they, and they don't end up succeeding in producing anything really of value right so there's like all of these characters are I know a podcast like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just, but I so I think that it's it's so I just like I I don't know like there's been so many um so much of um, whatever my, like my my former career maybe even my career now has been like just struggling to like produce something and it like not really getting off the ground or, or really working out or even if it does work out like does this really matter we put a lot of work into this and like not a lot of people saw it or read it or or what have you um and 
also those kind of romantic connections, which I, I think most people have felt as well, where it's, you know, you, you this certain person you you fall for or in love with is inaccessible. But I think generally the, this idea of the play of being like, in a hundred years, none of this will really matter. And the kind of horror of having to accept that. Um, and then the beauty of the doctor who really sees the um the way out of that kind of misery as being like um well we'll plant a forest and if in a thousand years people's lives are a little easier or they breathe a little easier because of the forest we planted that will be a good thing that'll be a, a positive thing uh, that kind of view that sort of um that that sort of looks towards legacy but subtracts the that the individual from that legacy right, right? nobody will know the doctor did that um or that the forest is, is as credit to the doctor someone should read my article that was published a few weeks ago what's what's yeah, the sure, article sure, sure. i'd love to read it where where is uh, it how do i get it's to it? on uh you can read it on dappled things dot i think it's dot org let me actually double check dappled, dappled things, things dot org i wrote an article on spencer brewery um yeah it's dappled things dot org uh, but i wrote an article on spencer brewery which is a i uh Trappist Trappist Brewery that closed uh, recently in Massachusetts, but it was a very it's a similar sentiment to that mm -hmm. argument, yeah, which is, you know, sort of the idea that yeah, I, I mean, most of what we most of what an individual does just kind of vanishes into ether, you know, and there's sort of this idea that you you almost have to you have to hope that that even an anonymous accomplishment will last to some extent. Yeah, and it's it's a great article, so. You know, and Dapple Things is a good magazine as well. So, um, yeah, jump online and read that. Uh, I didn't actually, I didn't connect it to Chekhov, but actually it does fit. Chekhov often talks about the woods. Um, mm -hmm. He often has characters who are obsessed with the woods and they talk about, I mean, and again, there is certainly an element that sort of resonates nowadays because there's always characters who are talking about, there's, there's, there's almost always a character who's sort of an environmentalist who talks about how, all the forests are going to be gone in a few years. And there's always sort of someone who's like, all oh, the forests could never be gone from all of Russia. That's a ridiculous thing to say, but there's sort of this sense that, that there's a, that the characters have a requirement to sort of, that is as much as they are obsessed with their own sort of self and sort of their own little petty problems to some extent, they, they also have, there's usually someone who sees their responsibility to the next generation as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that does appealing. And that's then, why they're talking about forests. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Like I, I, the, the despair came through, but I, I did not connect the dots that the forest was uh, the balance to that. So I'm glad we had this discussion here. The, the other thing, I, I, the ending is really striking too, I think, which is like, we will work and work, but then we will die and we will rest. Right, this idea of like you will finally rest in heaven, like this Christian ethos that that the play is is working in, I think is very very kind of touching and heartbreaking as well. There's a, there's a certain irony in that that it's supposed to be comforting, like when you die, we will look down and we will pity our former selves and we will finally rest, like the sort of sense of getting off this sort of treadmill. Um, but it's also kind of terrifying. Like that's when you rest is when you, when you have to die and, and that's when you can look down and, and actually find pity. Um, so that, that's sort of the, the irony of that ethos also 
was was very affecting and it really gets me every time i've seen it well audience feel free to take a rest because i'd like to once again congratulate our own uncle vanya nick congratulations Congratulations, Nick. Nick. and pat well done too excellent work with these questions Mm -hmm. thank you thank you for having me back (laughs) yeah we've been awarding it to nick every time because (laughs) when he hasn't been here (laughs) I don't think he's listening. He'll never know because he doesn't (laughs) listen. You can rate and review this show anywhere podcasts are available. For those viewing in YouTube land, if you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the Talking Studios channel for all our exciting content, and follow us on Twitter at Talking Studios. Check out other shows by Talking Studios, including Keep Making Movies, where we explore micro-budget films, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games, and Get the Point, where we slowly reveal a movie poster and try to guess which movie poster it is. Got a question for us? Call the Talking Studios hotline at 201-467-8679 and leave a message. It may be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Talking Pictures Trivia wherever fine podcasts are found. Join us next time when we discuss Alien from 1979. Stay tuned for our first impressions of Alien. Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing a movie from my childhood, Alien. KJ, how was your first watch? Tom, I think this movie, being from your childhood, might explain a lot. I cannot imagine watching this under the age of like 30 or 40. It's a, it's a pretty creepy movie. But my my first experience was Alien was in MGM Studios, now called Hollywood Studios in Disney World, on the Great Movie Ride. I don't know if you guys have been on it, but it's, it's it was a wonderful ride. And you go into the spaceship, and one of the aliens comes popping out and scares the living bejeebuses out of you. So that was my introduction. They have a Ridley. Ridley stood there with a gun and said something, if I remember correctly. Um, And then the other experience I had with Alien without knowing it was Alien was Spaceballs. At the end of Spaceballs, they do the Alien parody. But then in my 30s, I did watch it while I was traveling. And it's good, guys. It's really good. And the rewatch for this show, I I loved every minute of it. It's, it's, It's creepy. It's the sci-fi is cool. The sets are amazing. Audience, I think you're going to really enjoy it. How about you, Brian? How was your watch? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny that you say that your first experience with Alien was at MGM Studios on the great, uh, or rest in peace, the, the great American movie ride. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, and that was the first time I saw anything to do with Alien. And my first view uh, was, oh, geez, about uh, four months ago, maybe, when we were talking initially about um, you know, some of the, the upcoming movies that we could potentially talk about. And uh, my second view was just the other day. But uh, it really, like you were saying, it's I think it was uh, ahead of its time um, in regards to the uh, set design, the effects. Uh, it was 1979, 78, 79? 79. 79, uh, yep. So you think about that and how, how long ago that really was at this point. And everything still scares you. It jumps out and you know it keeps you on the edge of your seat. It's a very quick, even though it's two hours long, it's a very quick watch. You know, time flies when you're watching it there. 
but uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I can't believe it took me almost 40 years to watch the film and uh, looking forward to picking up the other couple. Tom, how was your watch there? Good. I can't remember when I first saw this. My father had this on VHS, I believe taped off of a home box office viewing of, of, of the movie. And I really love this movie. As a child, I love the all of the Alien movies. I think even as a child, I knew Alien 4 wasn't very good. But um, I, I had a kind of compulsion for the initial trilogy. And I always enjoyed this movie most. As an adult, Alien Cubed is sort of intolerable. I think Aliens I don't like very much either. But this movie, upon revisiting, which I did for this podcast actually does hold up i mean it's more brutal than i remember though it's a very stark and almost very mean movie it, it um has no kind of glamour to it which is interesting like the actors are a little older than your traditional cast of actors um the people you are probably in the time anyway most likely to have connected to are probably the characters who are going to die most quickly they <laughs> they kind of pull a psycho in, in that sense i think the the design of the ship looks great i typically don't like designs like that that are kind of gray and claustrophobic but the ship sort of feels like an endless labyrinth it's sort of no placeness the fact that you can't really understand how the ship is put together really increases the, the creepiness of the movie um and it does have a kind of intense almost mean-spirited nihilism to it which for a horror movie i think lurks very well i think that if this movie had more pretensions i would probably hate it very much but since it doesn't since it has that kind of stripped down um way about it i i enjoy it even more i think as an adult um though i will admit it is not a gentle movie and it does not treat its audience with any kind of gentleness alien is available on hulu at the time of this recording wow talking studios 